It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby and joining me via phone is Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And today we're going to talk about the Browns offense. We're going to talk about Denzel Ward, Demarius Randall, uh, LeBron James, a lot of LeBron James. We're going to get into the NBA Finals even a little bit too. But first of all, Mary Kay, let's go ahead and get to our big story today. And that big story is going to be the Browns' offense because they are uh, in OTAs. And, you know, it, it's hard to kind of tell how good an offense is going to be uh, when it's practice. I thought yesterday they didn't have a necessarily great day. That just sort of is what it is. Big story today is actually a question. Is this offense actually going to be good? Um, the Browns' offense has not been good the last few years. I was looking it up. And it is not great. The Browns have struggled to even score 20 points, Mary Kay. Last year, uh, they did not do it very often. They did it four times, 20 or more points. Every other game, they were under 20 points. So is there reason for optimism this year with this offense? Well, first of all, I do think points scored is really the, uh, the biggest thing that you would expect out of an offense. So the fact that they finished 32nd in the NFL in points scored last year uh, I think that's a major, major reason why, of course, they were 0-16. And I do think that there's reason for optimism this year. I think there's a lot of reason for optimism. Number one, you've got an experienced quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. He doesn't turn the ball over. He throws touchdown passes. And he knows how to run an offense. Now, they had their issues with him in Buffalo. And that's the reason why he's gone. It's not the whole entire reason why he, why he's gone. The $16 million had something to do with it, too. And they were ready to... Uh, turn this over to a you know to a younger guy and not commit that kind of money to someone. But they had some issues with him. Uh, but the Browns don't see those as issues. They believe that he is going to come in here and operate this offense the way that they need him to. And he's got plenty of weapons around him. I would venture to say that this offense can be really good this year. I think it can be a dramatic turnaround. I mean, if you look at last year at this time, there was no Josh Gordon on this football team at this time last year. There was no Jarvis Landry, Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, Antonio Callaway. Those guys were not here. And Corey Coleman was here, but he missed another, whatever, six, seven, eight games with a broken hand. So I would venture to say that this offense is going to make some noise this year. And you've got Todd Haley running it. He knows how to run an offense. He knows Hugh Jackson does too, but 
Uh, this is in Todd Haley's hands, and he's not going to mess around here. They are going to run the ball early and often, and they're going to use all these weapons. Yeah, well, well let's get right to it. Our three questions uh, regarding our big story, uh, or our, our three questions about our big question, I guess, in this case. Todd Haley, um, that's the first one. What impact is adding Todd Haley uh, going going to have because we saw what he was able to do in Pittsburgh. Obviously, he had uh, a great quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, a great running back in Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, a great wide receiver. I mean, those two guys could could make the case they are the best at their positions. So he certainly had a lot to work with in Pittsburgh, but that was a dynamic offense, and, and it was creative and, and always interesting. Yeah, well, I think he will have a tremendous, tremendous impact on this offense. And the other thing to consider about this offense – is they have a good offensive line. And if you have that foundation, if you're starting with that, then you can accomplish a lot of things. And uh, I really think that they will. I think uh, the future is very bright. The, the immediate future is very bright for this offense because of those things. Now, of course, they don't have Joe Thomas at left tackle. Well, hurt. But fortunately, they have a very mobile quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, that cancels out a little bit of what you're losing with Joe Thomas not being there. And the rest of the line is pretty darn solid. So uh, I would think that, uh, you know, you're going to see, look, maybe they don't have Le'Veon Bell, but I've been watching Nick Chubb in practice. He looks good. I'm watching Carlos Hyde. He looks very good. And then we haven't even mentioned Duke Johnson. He's a weapon. Then you've got David Njoku. Maybe he'll take a big step up this year. So I think they're actually kind of loaded on offense right now. And if it all comes together the way that it should and could, uh, I think that they can be explosive. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how Haley is going to end up using a guy like Njoku. Um, he's obviously physically as skilled a guy as, as the Browns have had. He, he's very raw. He's got a lot of developing to do. But um, he's, he's one of those guys that he just kind of makes it look easy. And I'm sure Haley kind of looks at him and just, I mean, can't wait to really unleash him. Oh, yeah, sure. And, you know, he learned a lot in his first year, and I'm sure they're expecting him to take that big leap. You've got a lot of guys in that category uh, that they expect to step up, and he is one of the biggest ones that they're hoping for, big, bigger things this year. So uh, we'll have to see how that works out. But, again, Todd Haley knows how to use a tight end in his offense. Uh, he knows how to use everybody in offense, and I'm sure he's got to be looking out there and thinking uh, that, you know, he you know has a bounty of talent in front of him. So uh, let's get to our, our next kind of question here. We've talked about the quarterbacks a little bit, and, and we should probably spend a little more time on them. But before we do that, if, if you take them out of the equation, I don't know, you know what, Let, let's leave them in the equation. Who's the most important player on this offense right now, do you think? Is it Tyrod Taylor? Or is it somebody else? You know, I'm going to say it's Tyrod Taylor because a major reason why the Browns could not win games last year is because they turned the ball over so often. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser was just throwing interception after interception. And some would argue uh, that he was put in a position uh, that didn't play to his strength and he was they were trying to have him throw downfield too much, which is way too much to ask of a rookie that does not have a good football team around him. So, um, But nevertheless, he threw way too many interceptions and Tyrod Taylor, how many interceptions did he have last year? Do you remember? I don't have that in front of me right uh, now. But it was top very. Of, at the top of my head, I don't remember last year, but I know it's 16 over the last three years. Yeah, so he does not throw interceptions. I think Deshaun had 22 last year. So, um, so I think that's huge. I think that is really going to help them. If they can get their turnover differential 
squared away with getting more on the defensive side of the ball, more takeaways, and not giving the ball away so much, then you're going to win games by virtue of just that. So I think Tyrod is huge in that regard, but he brings a lot more to the table than just not throwing interceptions. Now, he's going to have to be able to do uh, the things that they need him to do. To you know, He's going to have to take some chances here and there. He's going to have to throw over the middle. Some of the things that he may not have always been willing to do when he was in Buffalo, uh, they're going to require him to do those things here. But I do think that he's the most important person on offense right now. Uh, yeah, so I just pulled it up. He threw four interceptions last year. That's after throwing six in each of the two years before. So he's, he actually threw fewer interceptions um, last year than he did the, uh, the last two years. So it was six, six, and four in his three years as a starter in Buffalo. And, you know, the thing about Kaiser, and, and I've, I've certainly been someone who has said that I thought maybe he was on a little bit of an unfair position, but, you know, there were some times where, I mean, it was completely on him. I, I saw a, a GIF tweeted out the other day of that, interception he threw against the Jets in the red zone when when Seth Deval was running kind of a little out route and he just telegraphed the pass and and the uh the defensive back jumped the route it, it was just a really bad interception it took points off the board well yeah and and like you said the red zone turnovers were the worst thing and uh you know I think the Browns would have won some games had it not been for all those interceptions, all those turnovers, especially in those crucial, crucial moments. You're not going to get that from Tyrod. And therefore, I think they will win some football games this year. Um, let's see. If I had to pick a most important player that wasn't a quarterback, um, I, I think I'm going to say Duke Johnson in a contract year, at least as of now a contract year, if they don't get something done here before the season. Um, do I, th I think Duke Johnson is really important to this offense, especially, you know, we talked about, uh, Le'Veon Bell earlier and you know Le'Veon is a very versatile back now I'm not saying Duke Johnson is Le'Veon Bell but what I'm saying is Todd Haley might look at Duke and say okay this is a guy that I can use in, in multiple ways and he can be a playmaker in multiple ways a, a little bit like what he had uh, in Le'Veon. Yeah I would agree with you on that he's a very very key player he's so versatile can do so many things last year we saw him line up as a slot receiver, split out wide, catch passes out of the backfield, run the football. He can do everything, and he's got a never-say-die attitude. And I think uh, that anyone could see that last year. Even in defeat after defeat after defeat, Duke Johnson was running hard on every single play. Every time he touched the ball, he would go the extra mile. He would never say die. And that's the kind of thing that you want to see from guys, that they're just going to run through a wall, and never give up. So I think he's definitely one to consider. Um, but I, I would say if we're going non-quarterback, I think I would go Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Jarvis Landry led the NFL with 112 receptions last year. He's had 400 in his first four seasons. Uh, I think he comes in here ready to, to really kind of make his mark on the NFL and, uh, you know, just kind of put himself out there and, and really help get this team turned around. And he's got a good quarterback throwing the ball to him in Tyrod Taylor. And uh, I think he's going to make a huge impact. It, what, what's good news for Browns fans is we're, we're sitting here and, and you can really kind of stack names, you know, this season. And obviously it's spring, but, uh, you know, neither of us mentioned – you mentioned Josh Gordon earlier, but ne neither of us mentioned him in response to this question. And you can make a case that he belongs as the answer. Uh, we already mentioned Ajoku, of course, Duke Johnson, Jarvis Landry. You know, Corey Coleman is now maybe third or fourth on the list or maybe lower, depending on, on what you think. I mean, there's, there's actual real weapons on this offense. 
There really are. And again, and there are people that really know how to use them. When you put Todd Haley, Hugh Jackson, Ken Zampezi together uh, to be running this offense, they bring a lot of uh, knowledge, experience, and particularly AFC North experience. They know what to expect from the defenses in this division. So they're going to know how to play AFC North football in November and December. And I think those are all good things for them. But yeah, I mean, if you look at it on paper, there's no reason that this shouldn't be uh, an offense that can finish, you know, maybe in, in the top half of the NFL this year. I mean, if you just look at what they have man for man. It, it'll certainly be an improvement from last year. I mean, I mean, it has to be. Now, the, the most pressing question, uh, the biggest concern, maybe you already hit, hit on it with left tackle. Um, is there someplace else that you're kind of looking at and saying, I'm a little nervous about this, or you know, should we be putting that spotlight on that left tackle position? I think that's the only one. I think that they've done a tremendous job of really overhauling this offense in the offseason, and there really aren't very many places where you have to go, oh, geez, what about that, except for left tackle. And I think for the most part they'll be okay there because, uh, you know, if somebody can't win that job, such as a Sean Coleman or an Austin Corbett, all they have to do is slide the very dependable and reliable Joel DeTonio over there and I just have a feeling he'll do really well at that job. It's where he played at Nevada. Also where Austin Corbett uh, replaced him at Nevada. So you've got some guys that have a lot of experience playing that position and nobody's going to be a Joe Thomas, uh, but I think they'll be able to get the job done. So I'm not really worried about any position on this offense this year. Okay, so we've got you feeling good about the offense. Let's move on to uh, a few quick hit stories from this week. And we're in a strange time, Mary Kay. There are things happening. Obviously, the Browns are practicing. Um, but there's also not a lot happening right now. It, it's fairly quiet. So we're going to get into uh, a few different things here uh, real quick as, as we touch on a couple stories from this week. And the first is uh, Denzel Ward. I want to talk about the number four pick because he had a very good day in practice on Wednesday um, he seems to be making really good progress. TJ Carey had had really good things to say uh, about Denzel Ward. Uh, very savvy rookie. Very savvy. Uh, he plays very confident. I think that when you come into this league, confidence is probably one of your biggest friends in, in, in the sense that, you know, you're playing with grown men. And if you're not confident within, you know, who you are as yourself, um, you lose that ability to play um, instinctively and, and very fast. And as you can see, you know, he's played exceptionally well today had a number of pass breakups, a number of great plays that he made out there. And that's something that we as a defensive back feed off of is continuing to make plays. And we're always going to embrace those things, you know, no matter who it is. And so from that standpoint, you know, I continue to encourage him and do well. You know, this is a competition um, just because he may not be where he wants to be right now. Is if he keep making plays like that, I mean, the cream always rises to the top. You look at him at number four. Uh, of course, we know Baker Mayfield was number one. But considering that we might not see Baker this year, is he kind of the most important rookie from this class right away? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. I mean, I think there there are others who I think will make a tremendous impact right away, including like a Nick Chubb. But I do think that Denzel Ward was picked number four overall to come in here and sort of replace Joe Hayden and be that shutdown corner, the guy that you can put on all those great receivers in the NFL, those big-name receivers that he's going to have to face this year, the A.J. Greens, the Antonio Browns, the DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the Julio Jones, and all of those kind of guys. 
Uh, it's a big, tall task for a rookie, but he seems to have the right demeanor. He seems to be sort of up for it, and he's got a good enough receiving court to go against this summer that that should polish him up and get him pretty ready for what he's going to face this season. I mean, there's not a whole lot of Josh Gordon's running around out there. Uh, there's not a lot of Jarvis Landry's running around. So uh, if he can make plays against those guys and be breaking up passes, then uh, I think he will be ready for what's to come. And I'm glad that he has overcome that hip flexor uh, that we saw in that rookie minicamp. That was, uh, I think it was the rookie minicamp. That was, uh, you know, you just don't want to see that. You don't want to see somebody standing over there on the sidelines. But they're just being very, very careful with everybody right now. Yeah, and what I really liked uh, to see, the, I mean, the big play that stood out on Wednesday was he broke up a pass to Josh Gordon in the back of the end zone. You know, this wasn't Corey Coleman. This wasn't someone who's smaller. This is Josh Gordon who is is really built like a tight end, is super athletic. He's, he's probably the most athletic player definitely among the receiving core and probably make the case among the entire offense. Um, and Denzel Ward, you know, he showed he can go up against a bigger, taller, stronger guy and, and make a play. And, and that is good because he's not the tallest cornerback uh, that you're going to have or that you're going to find. So uh, that's very, very important that you, you know, you have to be physical. You have to be able to uh, jump. You have to be able to make sure that your timing is good because you don't have that height advantage. But if he can succeed like that against Josh Gordon and be breaking up passes, and that was one of the things that he did very well. He broke up passes a lot at Ohio State. He didn't get interceptions. Uh, but if you are faring well against Josh Gordon in, in camp, then that's a very, very good sign. Now, he does have to uh, learn to get his hands on the ball a little bit, and that's something that I think he will add into his game and uh, something that he will improve on a lot because he only had two interceptions at Ohio State. And he can hit, too. Um, I'm curious to see how that translates to the NFL. We don't get to see that just yet, uh, but but he can hit. We all remember that Gus Johnson call in that game uh, earlier uh, in, in his last year at Ohio State. Uh, let's move on to Demarius Randall, who made waves and went viral with a tweet promising that he would buy jerseys for everyone who retweeted a tweet if the Cavaliers won the finals. Now, Randall is a Steph Curry fan. He's been a Steph Curry fan since uh, Curry's days at Davidson. Um, he has been very vocal about his support of the Warriors. And now, if the Cavs somehow pull this upset, Mary Kay, he's going to be on the hook for a lot of jerseys. Yeah, well, you know, Dan, in the same way that we will be watching Hugh Jackson jump into uh, the lake tomorrow, you know, who knows, Demarius Randall might have to do, he said he will do something, uh, even if uh, the Cavs don't win this series, he wants to do something for the fans because of the overwhelming response that he got to this. Uh, and, you know, the thing that, that comes to mind is, you know, it does show you the power of the land. There is just something going on here in terms of, of the fans. It's just a fan base that uh, you don't really want to mess with too much, and I think he found that out. And, uh, you know, he, he got some advice from some of the other veterans. Tyrod Taylor, you wrote about that yesterday. And uh, so, you know, I, I think it shows a couple of things. Number one, this is such a passionate, passionate fan base. And number two, uh, you know, guys don't really realize the power of, of social media sometimes and what their words and actions are, are doing to them. Yeah, well, it also shows that people love free stuff. Um, th those jerseys are expensive. I don't know what jerseys he, he would buy for everyone, if, if they would be like the authentic 
you know, I mean, you mentioned the the average price in, in your story about the tweet. Um, it's something like $100, $150 a jersey, depending on what you buy. Or, you know, you got the Target brand maybe where, you know, they sell them there. They're like 10 bucks. But either way, that's a lot of money for a guy still on his rookie contract. Well, let's see. He's up to a million, over a million oh already now. So unless he can, uh, unless he wants to give up most of his salary and also um, somebody would be willing to make a jersey for him for about a dollar each, I really don't think that he's going to be doing that in the event that they went. However, uh, like I said, he might do something. And he put himself on the map, didn't he? I mean, this is the most yes, famous. That, right? This is the most famous that Demarius Randall has ever been in his entire life and maybe ever will be. But the interesting thing about it is I think you've, you've added some guys to the football team that are willing to make a little noise, whether verbally, on the field, or whatever. I mean, we had George Landry come out uh, last week at the first OTAs and say that he considers himself to be the best receiver in the NFL. Now Demarius Randall comes out and sets the record for the most retweets. So there's some noise coming out of Brownstown. Well, you know what? And, and uh, somebody else on the beat gave me some crap about this, but, but I asked him like, you know, look, it's easy for a guy to just sign with, sign with the Browns. You get traded to the Browns and start tweeting, go Cavs. I mean, you know, I'll give him a little credit for, for staying loyal uh, to, to his allegiances. Maybe he's taking a little too far, but I'll give him some credit for that. Well, I don't know if I would give him credit <laughs> for that. I don't know if I can agree with you on that because, you know, when you come into the land, you don't necessarily want to take on LeBron James like that, the That's king. Um, and he found out very, very quickly that, you know, you just might not want to do that. Uh, so it might not have been the brightest move in the world, but once again, the net result for him is that he is uh, nationally famous right now, so maybe that's not such a bad thing. Hey, you, you brought up something, though. Um, you mentioned you know, maybe he could find somebody to make him jerseys. Um, all he needs to do is head upstairs, talk to John Dorsey. Might have a little connection there to, to have somebody make him some shirts uh, that, that maybe aren't officially licensed but you know we've seen John Dorsey's sweaters uh that he wears around all the time <laughs> that's that's true um I I have a feeling that Demarius Randall like Hugh Jackson is doing tomorrow will probably end up trying to make some good come out of this and perhaps do something for charity or maybe something for kids or something like that uh so I, I would watch for something like that down the road all right, uh, r- real quick, uh, another thing about LeBron, Hugh Jackson shared his speech um, that came, that he made uh, after the Browns, after the Browns, after the Cavs won the Eastern Conference, uh, beating Boston in seven. LeBron James answered a question from Doris Burke. Uh, you've got a story on it up at cleveland.com slash Browns. He really talked about his teammates, uh, you know, really made it sound like he was tired of people questioning his teammates. What people don't understand. Um... People that never played the game of basketball, never played team sports, is that only to succeed, it has to be a team effort. You know, I know I get a lot of the headlines, win, lose, or draw, whatever the case may be, but in order to be successful, it's a team game. I learned that from when I was, when I first started to pick up a basketball to play organized basketball at age nine. So you get all the doubters and people who's never stepped in an arena, who's never played basketball, who's never put on a tank top and shorts, um, who's never played anything organized, always want to try to kill my teammates. And it's unfair to them. Um, but I'm always stay true to the game of basketball because the game of basketball always stay true to me. And um, that's why we're going to another finals because my teammates played the hell of the game. Hugh Jackson made a point to show that to his team and, and kind of show, you know, 
Here's LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players ever, giving credit to his teammates. Tyrod Taylor mentioned it yesterday as well. Uh, what do you take away from Hugh Jackson showing that speech to his team? Well, I thought that was great. I mean, if you have the king in your town doing what LeBron James has been doing uh, in these playoffs, why not take advantage of that? And I did think it was great when I heard him say that because uh, he does play on an, an embattled basketball team where everybody is all about him and then uh, the afterthoughts. So, or, you know, it's almost like people treat it like it's the land of the misfits or something like that. So I love, I love the fact that he stood up for his teammates like that. And I think it was great that Hugh Jackson uh, showed that to his guys or told that to his guys, because, you know, this is a team that's, that's thrown together as well. And some of these guys are misfits a little bit in their own right. I mean, Jarvis Landry, he wasn't wanted anymore by the Miami Dolphins. Demarius Randall, he wasn't wanted by the Packers. Uh, you know, you had a number of these guys that came in here with something to prove, a little bit of baggage, a little bit of chip on their shoulder. Uh, you know, even Ty- Tyrod Taylor came here when the Buffalo Bills didn't want him anymore. So, uh, you know, so I think it was great to do that because uh, this is a team with its back against the wall coming off 0-16. They need every little advantage or edge they can get. Let's talk about the NBA Finals here as we go off topic quickly and then we'll get into a uh, Twitter question. Uh, But first, Mary Kay, the NBA Finals. Now, we're recording this on Thursday. It's around 5.30 right now, so we're about three and a half hours from tip-off of Game 1. I think when most people listen to this, Game 1 will have been in the books. But are you feeling optimistic? Nobody's given the Cavs a chance, but are you feeling optimistic? Well, it depends on your definition of optimistic, Dan. What is your definition of optimistic? My definition, I'm not feeling real optimistic. I I mean, (laughs) you know, I'd like to see them maybe, obviously I want to see the Cavaliers win. It would be great if they could drag this series out a little bit. Um, But I'm I'm just not feeling, if the definition of optimism is them winning, I'm not feeling very optimistic. Well, yeah, I don't really feel in my gut that they're going to win the series. I don't have that feeling right now. Uh, I would like them to make it competitive. I was just so thrilled for the city of Cleveland that they got there. I mean, I I just, you know, it's so good. I can hardly even believe that we have LeBron James here in Cleveland. And it just makes me so happy for Cleveland fans because of what they have been through year after year with the Browns and everything. It's just it's almost too good to be true for, for Cleveland fans. So, um, you know, really we are all witnesses and I think it's, it's just a tremendous thing for anybody who gets to be associated uh, with this whole thing. So I was just thrilled for that, for those reasons that they got there. I don't have high expectations for this series. I would like to see them make it competitive. I don't want the, them to get swept. I don't want the, them to get embarrassed. And I don't want LeBron James to be so exhausted each and every game that he can barely pick himself up to play the next game. So hopefully all these guys will come through. You know, it's been nice to see the Jeff Green stories. And now you've got uh, Kevin Love coming back. And, uh, you know, just guys are are rising to the occasion. And I think that LeBron James uh, really does have a way of, you know, he raises the level of play of all the guys around him. And you can just see that guys who guys get around him and they play their best basketball. And I think that you're seeing that right now and hopefully they will come through for him. And you know what? It's great that for the fourth year in a row, 
everybody in Cleveland gets to watch their favorite basketball team play games in June. There's, there's nothing quite like that. Can you imagine, Dan? I mean, I, I've been thinking about this, that, you know, somewhere down the road, you know, whatever, 20, 30 years from now, you know, we will be able to say, you know, that, that we were part of this in Cleveland, Ohio. And, you know, we're the butt of so many jokes here. And, uh, you know, the laughing stock, the Browns are the laughing stock. But, and remember, I, I tweeted this after one of the series that LeBron James takes the sadness out of the factory, the burn out of the river, and um, what else? There was one more. I can't even remember it now. <laughs> but, but anyways, he does that. I mean, he, he makes Cleveland cool, and I love that about him. Time to head to Twitter for uh, a quick Q&A. We have, I, I got a question um, about a player who is really intriguing to a lot of fans, especially on social media. I, I see a lot of fans talk about him and, and ask about him and, and his role. So Walter Hickman uh, tweeted at me um, about Brienne Body Calhoun, who uh, has been playing some safety, you know, lined up with the ones uh, at nickel on Wednesday and also played safety down the depth chart a little bit. And the question is, do you think they consider making him the nickel cornerback slash backup free safety, essentially freeing up a roster spot? So I'll say I don't know if they're going to do that, that kind of roster gymnastics with him. Uh, but Mary Kay, I do think they like his versatility, and I do think they like the fact that they can play him inside. If they need to in a pinch, they could play him outside. I don't think they'll need to because of all the guys they've added. And they can sit him back there at safety if they need to. He just gives them a lot of flexibility and, and depth at multiple positions. Yes, he really does. And I think if you look at him and some other players on the team, you can do different things with a number of them, including Demarius Randall, who will start at free safety here, yet was a starting cornerback in Green Bay. So you've got a number of guys that can play both safety and cornerback and can play inside or outside. And like you said, his position versatility uh, will be a trust asset. And you always need good cornerbacks. So, you know, if you're a good cornerback in the NFL, uh, you're going to stick on a roster for the most part. Uh, and, and they need to find ways to use him and keep him uh, very active. And, yes, I do think that he can play uh, some nickel, and like you said, he can play safety. He can do a lot of different things, as can a number of guys on this team. Yeah, versatility is a big thing. You know, it's actually a, a guy that wasn't asked about but uh, in a different position, but it's sort of what makes a guy like Michael Kendricks fascinating. I, I think you could play him at either linebacker position. He can do multiple things. Obviously, was very good for Philadelphia. You know, if, when, I, when I first saw that he was visiting the Browns, my thought was, where are they going to play him? But then, listen, you can't have enough good players. That's right. And, and, you know, and he fits more the, the Greg Williams kind of guy and linebacker. It's not a position that they have ignored by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, they can use more good linebackers, good playmaking linebackers on this team. And again, like you said, he has position flexibility. He's got experience with a good football team and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Before we go, we're going to go back to the Cavaliers. We're going to go back to LeBron James. Um, and, and I want to tell a real quick story here 
before we uh, before we get to this favorite LeBron James moment, because back in the day, uh, I, I would go to cover Cavs playoff games for Cleveland.com. And I think this was maybe one of the years when they played the Wizards in the first round. And, you know, when you cover games, you're there for a long time. You know, it gets kind of late. And, you know, you know, you're not real sharp. So I'm walking out of the arena after one game, just kind of wandering around. I think I was staring at my phone or something. And the next thing I know, I, I kind of look up and I'm surrounded by all these people who are just way taller, way bigger, and way stronger than me. And I kind of look to my right, and LeBron James is about five feet away from me. I had somehow stumbled into the middle of LeBron's entourage, Mary Kay, and I'm not sure how I actually survived that <laughs> moment because I was literally in the middle. Uh, I mean, this was his first go-around in Cleveland. This was when there were a ton of people in his group that worked for the Cavs. I mean, and I was right there in the middle of it, accidentally sticking out like a sore thumb, and somehow I survived. Well, isn't it just like, Two Akron boys kind of kicking it there. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe he sensed that I was not a threat because uh, because I was just another guy from Akron. Yeah, I think that's what it was. He probably recognized you is what it was, Dan, and kind of welcomed you into the fold. There is probably what what happened. Or, or maybe he um, just, maybe he just didn't notice me because you know, again, I'm about five nine or five ten, and all these other guys were about six foot, six foot two. He's six five. He's six foot eight. Maybe he just didn't see me. I probably could have. Just tagged along. There you go. You should have videotaped that moment, Dan. I, sh- I should have. I-, I think this was really kind of before camera phones took off, though. This was, this was a while ago. but you know. <laughs> Back in the dark ages, before we had uh, cell phones, uh, cameras with us everywhere we went. What I was probably doing was I was probably texting somebody, but it was before, you know, it was when you had to do like the, you hit three, like three times and then five twice. (laughs) That's probably what I was doing. (laughs) Well, one of my first memories of LeBron uh, was at the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards and he was still in high school. And um, I remember, you know, being in the, the group, I may have even asked him the question about whether or not he was going to college. I mean, it was one of those kind of things where you just remember back and, you, you know, you have one of these moments where, you know, you knew him or you were associated with him all the way back when. And I remember thinking, you know, how cool that was. And I, I look back on the family now, we're back there in the green room just talking to LeBron. So uh, <laughs> the high school LeBron. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, so uh, that, that's kind of been the great thing about him is he's a local guy. So, you know, there's been all these cool moments on the court. Um, when you kind of think of favorite LeBron moments, uh, do, do you have one? You know, I don't know if I have a favorite LeBron moment on the court. I mean, my favorite career LeBron moment is the the moment that he he was coming back to Cleveland. I mean, that yeah. uh, transformed our city, our economy, our downtown. Uh, so that was my favorite moment there. Uh, and the favorite moment on the court, I don't know if I have one, but I, you know, I do know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I think he's playing his best, best basketball right now. I can, you can't find a flaw in his game. I remember back in the early days, uh, you used to be able to find something here or there, but it's not there now. And, you know, he's obviously the best passer in the game, the best player in the game, really. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I cannot believe 
the way that he's playing right now, just flawless basketball. He looks like he's 24 years old. Yeah, it's it's incredible. There's just so many like you remember exactly where you were moments. It's it's pretty wild when you really think about. I can't remember where where I was when they won the lottery. I remember where I was when in that Detroit game. You know, you just kind of remember where you were and all these different moments in his career. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it it really is, and I hope that um, I hope that you know the fans, especially the young fans, really uh, take this in because to go to the finals four straight years. I mean, that just doesn't really happen. And uh, everyone should just savor these moments. By the way, you mentioned the greater Cleveland sports awards. I've got an embarrassing story about that too, but that is going to have to wait for another podcast. You're going to have to bring that up some <laughs> other time and remind me, uh, but I will. Uh, that will do it for this edition of orange and Brown talk. Again, make sure you're subscribed uh, on iTunes, Google play, uh, and that you leave us reviews, uh, tweet us questions. You can even leave questions in the reviews, leave questions in, in, in comments. Uh, we want to answer because, listen, we're at OTAs. We're watching these things. Um, and we want to know what you guys want to know. Uh, so we'll, we'll be able to talk about that on our podcast. So that will do it for, uh, for this edition, Mary Kay. And uh, let's try and do it again next week. Sounds great.